like get a king Give me a minute, let me tell you about a lifestyle Hit the club, met a freak by a lifestyle And when you catch something, blame it on that lifestyle So when the peace in there, change your lifestyle We gotta get loud. How's everybody doing today? Alright, Holy Ghost, stick them. Stick them up. Come on. I want you to reach as high as you can. Literally stretch it out. Come on. Some of you got the sleepies all over you. You need to shake it off. Now stretch all the way to the side. Shake it off. And then stretch and touch your toes. Touch your toes. All right, this first song is called Happy Day. Can we get the words up for me, please? Right, this first song is called Happy Day. And it's talking about when Jesus came into your life. Wasn't that the happiest day ever? I'm so serious. Like, when you had an encounter with God, when God came into your life, He didn't just come in and then leave, but He's there to stay. And that was the greatest day. <laughs> Look at that. That was the greatest day ever. <laughs> and man, so we get started. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. We sing the empty cross. 
The empty cross, the empty day Life eternal, you have one more day Shout it out, Jesus is alive Well, he's alive We'll sing Kinzo, happy day, happy day You wash my sin away, oh Happy day, happy day It'll never be the same When I stand When I stand in that place Free last meeting face to face I am yours, Jesus, you are mine Come on in this joy Endless joy and perfect peace Earthly pain finally will see Celebrate, Jesus is alive Well, he's alive, oh And oh, happy day, oh, happy day You washed my sin away, oh Happy day, oh, happy day Never be the same, oh Happy day, happy day You wash my sin away, oh Happy day, happy day Bring will never be the same Oh, oh, forever I'm changed I'm singing, oh what a glorious day, what a glorious way, you have saved me, and oh, what a glorious way, what a glorious way, you have saved me, and oh, what a glorious day, oh yeah. What a glorious way You have seen me and oh What a glorious day What a glorious name Jesus And oh, happy day, happy day You wash my sin away, oh Happy day Happy day, I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my window. Happy day, happy day, it'll never be the same. Oh, forever I'm changed. Going to sing it though. Kinzo, what a glorious, what a glorious way You have seen me and oh, come on, tell them What a glorious way Since you have seen me and oh, oh what a glorious day, what a glorious name, shout his name, Jesus, and oh, happy day, 
Happy day, you wash my toe. Happy day, oh happy day, and I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sins away. Oh, happy day, happy day, and I'll never be the same. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout of victory. You'll never be the same. All right. All right, you guys, just in an attitude of worship, we're just, we come here for God. And we come here to worship because in our worship, we get closer to him. So I just want to want to challenge you guys. Who wants to get closer to God in this moment right now? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Who wants to get closer to God? Okay. All right. Close your eyes away from every distraction and just put your mind on Jesus and he, he will come, he will come. This next song talks about his love coming down and when his love came down for the first time, remember that time, it's gonna come down again. He's willing, he's so willing. Set your mind on him right now. Turn to you, Lord. You're like a flower. Fix your attention to you right now. Who's in my heart? If my heart is overwhelmed, I cannot hear your voice. I hold on to your instrument. Oh, I cannot see. The songs are like they come. Sing out, be mine. Behind yours, 
yours Cause I am yours I am yours For all my days Jesus I am yours Sing it Cause I am yours For all my days Jesus I am yours Come on sing love came Love came down Oh, love came down And I am yours I am forever yours Mountains high Mountains high Your valley low I sink out And I am yours I am forever yours Cause I am yours I am yours Come on, sing it out For all my days We belong to you Yes, I am For all my days Jesus, I I am yours and you are mine Cause I am We'll sing it. Yes, I am yours. Yes, I am yours. Jesus, I am yours. Cause I am yours. I am yours. For my days, yeah. Jesus, I am yours. Sing out to sing your own love song to the Lord. Is yours and you are his. Come on. how thankful we are for what you've done. God, we just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would come and move in power, God. 
so that we can be bold for you. So that we can live our lives, God, unashamedly declaring who you are. Not holding back, God, from what you're wanting to do in our lives. Holy Spirit, come fill us up. Fill us up, oh God.
K drama in the booth. Yeah. The Bible tells us that God, he desires. He's a God in heaven, he desires to fill up a people. So that we would be the representation of what God is doing in our lives. So that the world will know that there is a God who loves unconditionally. Who has crazy love for people. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son, and that person was Jesus. Oh, that those who call on the name of Jesus might be saved. That those who call on the name of Jesus might walk from death and into life. That those that might call on the name of Jesus may have the power of God living inside of them. That those that call upon the name and believe in Jesus may have the Spirit of God and dwelling inside of him. And he promises to fill up his people. The Bible says in Acts 2.38, when the Holy Spirit was poured out to his people, the disciples went out in a time called a, a Jewish festival called the Passover. And he went out and started preaching and Peter stood up among them and he said repent and be baptized every one of you for the forgiveness of your sins every one of you and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit come right now in attitude of prayer I'm just going to call up leaders here in the church I'm going to call up Cynthia and Christina and I believe that God still wants to pour out his Holy Spirit on people. That when he said that it wasn't just for a show so we can feel goosebumps. In the moments like these, when you crying out to God that he may pour out his spirit. So I'm going to just have these two leaders come up to the front. And if you want God to fill you up, I'm going to have them pray over you, pray with you. Pray for the fire of God in your life. 
Come on, right now, God, we come before you in this attitude of worship, God, and we so desire that you fill us up more and more, Jesus. We can't do this without you. So, God, as we prepare our hearts for more of you, for more of your spirit, for your glory, God, for the righteous life that's in Christ, God, we just pray right now that your spirit, God, would move in power in Jesus' name. Come on, if you want that right now, I want you to make your way up to one of the leaders right now and just ask that they pray for you. Come on, in an attitude of worship, would you make your way up to Cynthia or Christina? And they're just going to pray for you right now in this time of worship as we sing right now.
gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you to the trail path. I brought some friends along with me. G-Rock, use an animal, homie. Had to bring G-Notes on this thing. Drink Marshall. What's up, Lord? What's up, God? What's up, Lord? Whoa, to fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Sing it every voice and don't blow and permeate into my soul. Sun, no shade, homemade, county estate, fight to the end. 
you clever. Uh, run with us and get ran over. Misfit gang, it's a mommy green like I'm a soldier. We don't want your preview or feature, don't you see the team? Sorry for the screw face, buddy. I'm not really mean, but this is pure talent. And a lot of grind, top it off with God's blessing. Hear it in the rhyme, focus and the team strong. See it in the eyes, styling on everything until the day they realize. The way I hate myself is disgusting. Smile at everything, but get mad over nothing. Fight we download and we save our messages online. You guys do me a favor. Let's see if I can get everyone in the first row. We're going to squeeze it tight like a man. My man was quick. I love that. Praise God. Thank you for coming today. It is the winter season and I look. It is not even snowing. And we have some empty seats in the house. It kind of feels so lonely, but you guys are here. God is here. So that's what's important. Amen. So I want to I wanna say some things uh, really quickly. Today's sermon is called Passion for Righteousness. Somebody say Passion for Righteousness. And we're going to get into the Word of God, the Word of God. If you guys bite your Bibles, go ahead and lift it up nice and high. It is your owner's manual here in life. You, you know, you have to have it, basic instructions before leaving earth. We got some good news today. Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. Y'all ready for good news? I love it. I love it. I can feel the excitement coming from Miriam. <laughs> Amen. Passion for righteousness, Romans 3, verses 10 through 12. I have it in the NIV uh, 1984 version. And here's some good news if y'all ready. Say amen. Here it goes. Y'all ready for some good news. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have all together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Amen. I told you, y'all ready for some good news? I'll read that once more. I don't know if y'all catch it. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands God, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And God, such a verse, God, it sometimes doesn't seem like good news but we know, God, if it's in your word, there is a purpose. And God, we pray that we can see Jesus in your scriptures, God, as we pursue righteousness, the life that pleases you. Father, from every person in here, God, every walk of life, every situation, doesn't matter who they are. God, I pray that the life that pleases you, a life of righteousness, Father, would come forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And I had to start off, and I'm not being sarcastic yet either. I wanted to start off with that Romans 10. There is no one righteous. There is no one who seeks God. And, and I wanted to start off with that because it's found in the Bible. And so many times when we have our Bible and it just collects dust in the house. Well, hello, somebody. We have our Bible, but it's an ornament. And sometimes we, it just decorates the house. It's just a nice piece on the coffee table. But it's the Bible. We should read it. We should get into it. And I kind of have a story. It kind of reminds me of, you know, looking at the Bible as the way we live. 
You're not going to understand what God is saying to you, how God wants you to live, what God thinks about the relationships you're in, how God is wanting to move if you're not in the Word of God. And this kind of funny story came to mind. I was about uh, seven years old. My brother was nine. Uh, and my sister was five. We're all two years apart. And it came to a point, we're seven years old, you know, you, there's always like this brotherly kind of love, like you always fight against each other. How many of you guys have siblings? A show of hands. Okay, so we all, most of us here have siblings, except for Mari, Dito, Mari. You have us as, as brothers and sisters. But he, this is growing up. I just remember I wasn't the only child, and it always seemed like our sister would always bother the boys. You know, because she'd, she'd be the only girl, so anything she'll say to the parents would, like, fly. They had, like, a special love for her because she was the only girl. They had two boys, and I'm like, ah, but you're the only girl. So we just kind of, like, got fed up with it. There came a point in time where my sister, she thought our room was, like, the best place to be in, and we didn't want her in there. So when you're seven years old, you think of creative ways to keep your sister out of your room. And so me and my brother, we had these little magazines. I went to a Christian school, and, you know, they said if you sold X amount of candy, you get looked to a magazine. There's all these different kind of cool things you can buy because of all the points you collected anyways. There was this one thing me and my brother saw. I, be, I don't know what grade I was in. I just remember seeing it. It was a, an alarm, uh, kind of like, uh, an, it was an alarm. Basically, the whole purpose was that you would hook it up to your door. Anytime the door would open, it would, it, it would go off. And me and my brother looking at this thing, we're thinking to ourselves, we can finally keep Manda out of our room. So we hustled. We went and sold. We, we did everything we could. We even went to our parents and said, listen, we can't do this. You need to buy it. You know, when you start selling candy to your parents, that's how bad it is. Like, I'm desperate. Could you help me out? And so they helped us out. They bought all the candy, and we ate them all. And I just remember me and my brother putting in our chips and said, we're getting this. So he does all the work. He's nine years old. He's just going filling out things, and dad and mom are helping him. And it comes in the mail. And I just remember when it came in the mail, we were so excited we get to the room. It was a little box to our surprise. We look at the magazine. It was this giant thing. We're thinking like, oh, it's a whole system. We got it. And we open it up. It's just a little box. The box was that big. It was basically like a buzzer. And you had to hook it up. So we open up the box. We get upset seeing how big it is. Instead of reading the instructions, we throw that to the side. And my brother just goes and he's like Albert Einstein. He's trying to put this thing together. And basically, we needed to take aluminum foil. Long story short, we got it to work after maybe about two hours. And, and then we had it to work. My sister had no idea that we had this. So we're in our room, and we're like, okay, we're going to call her. We're like, Manda! Nothing. Manda! You know, it's a little voice. And we're like, come, come over here. The lights were off. We're waiting. We're hiding in our beds. We're like, yes! And so Manda just opens the door, literally... Like we had the aluminum foil taped to the door. She opens it, breaks the entire thing. What? You broke it. <laughs> we got so upset. And we're looking at this thing like this piece of doo-doo. Yes, this piece of, ah! You know, and just the frustration. I just remember me and brother were more frustrated how long it took us to put the thing together. We didn't look at the, you know, uh, instructions. We were little kids. We didn't really pay attention to that stuff. But I kind of want to bring that to your attention because that's not the same way with the Bible. This is your owner's manual. This is the word of God. This is how we know who God is. Without this, there is no hope for you to have salvation. There's no hope for you to know God. There's no hope for eternal life. 
There's no hope to know how to live righteously. There's no hope to know God intimately. Without the word of God, you're hopeless. And today I want to talk about righteousness, a passion for righteousness. And so many of us, I feel like this word is for a lot of us here that I found ourselves in the church. You know, and and this has happened to a lot of people. It's happened to myself. You know, when you get caught up in church, you're just in church and you start learning the system. And, And this is kind of sad, really. And the idea is that when you come to church, you're sold out for God. I mean, you'll do anything and everything because you have God in your life. He saved you from your sin. And now he gives you a hope and a future. He brought you from death into life. And that's exciting. And everybody here had that experience and encounter with God. Amen. By a show of hands, if you've had that experience, just raise your hand. Humor me. If not, we'll pray for you right now in Jesus' name. Cynthia's not raising her hand. We're going to pray for her. Hallelujah. (laughs) She's got two hands up there. Amen. But this is the idea. You get passionate for God, and somewhere down the line, that passion for God dies out. And that can be attributed to a couple of things. One, as a sin creeps into your life, and you get so discouraged, and then whenever sin comes into your life, you get all, you know, uh, the guilt, the condemnation. You feel like you have to work your way back up to God. And then it becomes an act of works, and you can never do enough works because there's still this guilty conscience. Or maybe it's because you've been in church the longest time, and you've been through good churches and bad churches, and you just know how to play church. You know how to do it well. You know how to say amen when the pastor says something good. You know how to raise your hands when the the worship is getting louder. You know how to do church. And the idea is God never came so you can know how to do church or work your way to him. And this whole idea of righteousness, the life that God desires. When you look at a youth group, when you look at your life, when you look at family, there's nothing wrong except for there's probably a missing ingredient called righteousness. And actually, a passion for righteousness is a passion for Jesus. The Bible says this. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 21, it says, you don't have to turn your Bibles there. I'll just read it out. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm going to break this down for you, and then we're going to do a lot of reading in the word of God. Amen. I'm breaking down one more time. God made him. Who's it talking about? Jesus. God made Jesus. God made him who had no sin. He lived a perfect, blameless, spotless life. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, in Jesus, we, you, might become the righteousness of God. So many times in our life, once we get saved, we start thinking to ourselves, now i got to start doing good things. And we start equating good works with righteousness. But I want to tell you today and remind you that the righteousness that's inside of you doesn't come from the good works that you do. It comes from Jesus who lives inside of you. Righteousness doesn't flow from the works or the things that you may do in life. It flows from God through you. So if you're ever caught in this place of guilt and condemnation where you're saying to yourself, I can't do enough good works so that Jesus can love me, remember he didn't love you because of you. He looks down on you and the Bible says there is no one who does good. Not even one. They've all turned away from God. So but when God looks upon you because of Jesus, when you accepted Jesus into your life, God made him who had no sin 
to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Let me ask you something. Has this righteousness, has the life that God has changed into your life manifested? Is it being evidence in your life? Take a look at your life right now. Pause. Don't say on a good day. Talk about every single day. Is the righteousness of God being manifested in your life or are you trying to contain what God is trying to do? I'll give you an example. Relationships. Do you say to yourselves when you think about relationships and getting into relationships, man, I want to live righteous before God. Man, I want to see God's righteousness in this relationship. Hello? How about family? When you think about your family, you may be the only one saved. You may be the only one that knows Jesus Christ. But are you saying to yourself, I want to live a life that's full of righteousness to glorify God? Or are you saying to yourself, it's no hope, it's no use? How about church? When you think about meeting together in life groups, in a youth service, do you think about, man, this is the body that God has called together. He gave his life for it. God so loves his church. He really does. He shows it in the offering of himself and dying on the cross. Man, I want the righteousness of God to be in these places. Do you come with that attitude? How about devotional? Seeking God. Intimacy. That's what it's about. Has righteousness manifested in your life? You're not righteous because of good works. You are made righteous through Jesus. Righteousness flows from within you through the Spirit-led life. I want you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verse 18. See, righteousness flows from Jesus. It's not because of you. It wasn't because you're a good person. It was because Jesus was spotless. He came into this world. He lived a spotless, clean life. So that one day, he would take your place. That's called grace. Living a righteous life. Before we get into Romans 5, I kind of want to highlight some things right now in this life. And I have to be very, very honest. You know, the world today, I mean, you look at it, media entertainment, your friends, within your family, anywhere you'll go. You go to the bus stop, you look at the ads. This, the world, hates righteousness. This world does not know righteousness. God said in the last days, it says this, again, you don't have to open up your Bibles, but Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, it says this, but mark this, There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, hello, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. This is a sad truth, but a lot of Christians today are identified in this list. Is that you? Do you look at this list and I read off something like, man, they kind of sounded like me. Disobedient to their parents. Ah, 
Whoops, I may not got that one. Ungrateful. <laughs> Man, why is the Bible kind of like calling me out? Unholy, slanderous, and some of the things that you're saying, thinking it's cute on Facebook, but you're really saying it in your heart. Without self-control, fellas, ladies, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That sounds like today. That sounds like today. Worst of all, that sounds like some Christians in the church. And that should not be. And it's because the righteousness of God is not coming forth. It's because the life that God so desires to live through you is not bearing fruit. Where is it? Where's the problem? What's happening? See, I'm tired of Christians looking like the world. I'm tired of youth coming to church, can do the whole church routine. I have it down to a T. I raise my hands in this song. I bend my knees at this song. I cry. I make it seem like I'm radical. But your entire life following throughout the week is filled with compromise. What do you do? Where do you go? What can you do now? If this is you, God is calling you out, and there is some good news today. Somebody say good news. Open up your Bibles to Romans 5. Here we get into the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read it to you in the message version. Because the message version, I like to read it on my devotional time. It just breaks it down in such a way you can just read it and understand it. You guys are going to probably have the NIV, but if you can do me a favor, you can get the message on the screen I'll give you a second to get that. But God so desires for you to live righteous lives. Now, because of good works, I'm not saying do more good works. It's allowing Jesus to live through you. It's allowing God to come and consume your life. It's you being passionate for God. No one can force you to be passionate. No one can force you to come on an elevate service. Hello, somebody. I will say elevate five. Romans five, verses 18 through 21. It says it like this, the message version. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all into this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. That person's name was Jesus. Hello? But more than just getting, out of, getting us out of trouble... He got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many people in the right. All that passing law, all that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. I want to break down right now. Do you know that when we have the law, it makes us aware of sin? It proves to you that you're a sinner. Back in the day when Moses went up to a mountain and the people of God had been now, they moved out from Egypt and they were worshiping God. They have seen God do mighty things. The people of God knowing like, man, we were slaves. God brought us out. Moses goes up to the, the mountain. He hangs out with God, comes back with some laws. And what the law does, the Bible says, it makes you aware of sin. Did you know when you started hearing a preacher, any preacher of that sort, and you started hearing about God and how God makes you right to repent from sin, there was something deep down inside of you like, man, that's for me. 
if you were saved, if you weren't saved, if you may be living a duplicit life, compromise, somewhere deep inside, the Holy Spirit goes and he knocks on the hearts of men and says, hey, this is for you. That's the power of the gospel. Don't let no one confuse you. Don't let no one deceive you saying, hey, I'm good. As a matter of fact, there's a religion called secularism that would make it seem that everybody's fine in their own right. If they want to believe in God, that's fine. That's for them. That's not for everybody. But that's a lie. Because the Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Here it is. All sin can do is threaten us with death. And that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life. A life that goes on and on without end. Here's chapter 6. Here's what I want to get into. Amen. If you guys can put it on the board for me, please. Romans 6. And we're going to read the entire chapter. I'm going to read it in the message version. And this is what I want you to do. Right now, I don't want you to go ahead and, and write a lot. If you're taking notes, I mean, just listen right now. If you can do me the favor, I'm just going to read it straight through. And it talks about the life that God produces in people. Amen. Verses 1 through 3. So what do we do? He's talking to the Christian. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about people who have now gotten saved and now in their new freedom. Like, Jesus forgives me of sin? All I had to do was receive him into my heart? Hold on a second. So no matter what I do, he's going to forgive me of my sin. Yes. So it's because of what he did, not because of what I do. That's right. So no matter what I do, he'll forgive me. That's right. So I can do whatever I want. Not so. <laughs> You can do everything you want because God has given you freedom except sin. Actually, sin takes away that freedom. And Paul's talking about here in the context of baptism. You know, we believe here in the church when you give your life to Jesus as a sign. I see some of us here that probably haven't been baptized. As a sign of saying, man, God, what you did in the inside, you cleaned me. You made me new. And when you get baptized, it's a demonstration and testimony to all. Listen, Jesus changed my life and I'll never be the same. If you haven't been baptized, we're having a winter retreat coming up. We so would love you to go and get baptized. And that's actually a flyer that we want to have on our Elevate um, sermons, or rather our announcements. So if you can remind um, anybody who's doing that to go ahead and put that up there. But Paul's talking about this. Hey, listen, when you get dipped into the water, you come back out, you're not the same. It's a testimony of what God did in your life. Let's keep on going. Verses 4 through 5, it says this. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us raised into a light-filled world by our Father so we can see where we're going in our new grace, sovereign country. Verse 6 to 11. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. I'll read that again. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin 
miserable life, no longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in His life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal to the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, He took sin down with Him. But alive, He brings God down to us. I love that. That's what Jesus did. Pause again. Do you understanding this? How many of you guys are catching this? When we identify ourselves in Christ, we realize that when he died on the cross, you know that Jesus died on the cross. It wasn't so make it seem like a dramatic story, like Twilight, you know. It wasn't so they can have dramatic effects. So it would be good, have a box office hit. It was so that every demon, so that hell would know that he's purchased us back. And then when he died, we identified with that. In your life right now, are there things that are still bearing fruit? Are there still bearing uh, sin in your life? Are there areas in your life right now, think about it, whether it's gossip. See, those things we don't like to talk about. We don't like to gossip except for our gossip buddies. And they know when we're wrong. But sometimes if they're gossiping with us, they don't want to tell you you're wrong because they're gossiping with you. Sin, sexual morality, lust, all these different things. When we identify with Christ, we're saying, God, what you did on the cross was for me. I died on that cross now so that when you rose again, that life, that new life is in me now. Verses 12 to 14, let's read it. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way to conduct your lives. Don't give it a time of day. Don't even run the little errands that are connected with the old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. You're identifying with this? I want to talk to you guys more of a heart to heart. And I want to share some things that have just been on my heart. And I want to share, and I want to keep on reading. We're going to finish up. We have... We have some time to go, so we're good. Someone to say, we still got time. Come on, say it. Hallelujah. Thank you for confirming it. I want to share a heart to heart. This is what I want to share. There are many of us here, and just it's just a discernment that I have as a pastor here at this church for the youth group in your lives. I feel that so many of us are not allowing the righteousness of God to shape how we conduct ourselves. To bear fruit. We're not allowing God to do what he does best. And it's somehow we're holding him back. And I was praying and, as, and I was getting that word. I'm just like, man, Lord, I just don't want to be foolish and just say that because, you know, it's just a random guess. The Lord put it on my heart. And there were certain things that if you go back into, God is saying, I desire righteousness from you. I desire righteousness in your life. When will be the day when women of God will wait upon the Lord and do things God's way? When will be the day that men of God, when it comes to relationships, because this is a big one. Everybody goes through it. Everybody wants it. How many of you guys want to be in a relationship with somebody? One day get married. Hallelujah. Raise your hand. If you don't, you want to stay single the rest of your life, we'll bless you. We'll pray for you. That's a calling, and that's going to be hard. But here it is. Everybody deals with it. Everybody wants it. 
I got to have it. May I have another, please? One comes in your life. That one didn't work. I'm going to get another one. And so many times, whether it's the thought, whether it's maybe the, the lusting after, the wanting, somehow within that, we, we kind of dismiss what God wants and how he's willing to work in our lives. And the righteousness of God does not bear fruit because the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kind. It has a list. It goes on. But many of us are always lusting after people. And so we're wondering, like, man, is this broken? I'm not talking about the iPad, the Word of God. Is the Word of God broken? Is He deaf? Can God hear us? Are we missing the mark? Are we not allowing God's right? Do you go into relationships? Do you go into things asking, man, I want God's righteousness in this? If, you, if what you're saying to yourself is like, man, I'm going to be sneaky, I'm going to be hiding around, I don't want people to know about this, chances are something's wrong. Why are you hiding it? I'll tell you right now, like I am the most transparent person to my pastors. As a matter of fact, every Monday, me and Joe hang out, and guess what I talk to them about? Relationships. I talk to them about what God is doing in my life, how he's blessing me, and just ministry. But I keep it real. I don't hide nothing. The moment that I know that I have to hide something to my pastor, know something's wrong in my life. Are you hiding something from your leaders? Are you hiding something from people who love you? Maybe it's just feelings. Maybe it's the lusting after somebody and it's kind of like manifested into different things where now you just get depressed when you don't talk to somebody. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's not the righteousness that should come from a Christian's life going, pursuing God. How about family? You know, so many of us Christians, when it comes to it, really, and, and this is, I had this problem too, we couldn't be obedient to our parents. We love God, but hey, Go clean your room, bud. I'll clean it later. You know, and, and things like that. You want to let people know that your life has been changed by Jesus? You start obeying your parents. Hello, somebody? What got into that person? They're doing the dishes. They're taking out the garbage. They are, oh my gosh, they're walking the dog, picking up the poo. They're, oh my, you're going to show the righteousness of God when you start being obedient to your family. Obedient to your parents. So many of us, when we get this idea, like when we get saved, I am the only one saved, and they're not saved, so I'm not listening to you because you don't know about God. Go clean your room. That's not what God would tell me. <laughs> you know, we get this little righteousness in us. We're like, I'm going to tell you something. I go to church, and you don't. Hey, that's not what Jesus would do. Come on now. How about in your family to continue to pray for people to be saved? So many times it gets tiring because when you live with knuckleheads, you're just like, Lord, how can this person ever be saved? Like, Lord, touch them. Like you walk by, you just touch them, touch them, Lord. Touch them, start speaking in tongues. So, what was that? I said, uh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're praying for people, but it gets so tiring. And sometimes you start now thinking bad things about them. Is that the righteousness of God? Is that bearing fruit of what God is doing in your life? Remember, it doesn't flow from you. It flows from him. Somewhere we missed the mark. What about church? When Friday comes around, do you like grind your teeth like, oh, I got to go to church. Other <laughs> life groups are so hungry. <laughs> 
I don't want to go. Oh my gosh. I have no ride. Oh, pick me up, please. This is such a burden to come and meet in the fellowship of people. This is such a hard time to gather in the place of people that are like you going through the same things to encourage one another. You'll spend five days out the week in school in a place where the world is dominating. And you'll spend more time there than in the church. And sometimes when we say, hey guys, let's meet together. Let's do these different things. The attitude's like, ah, I don't want to do it no more. God so desires to be with his people. Do you love people the same way he does? Do you want a fellowship with people the same way he does? Think about it. When it comes to church, when leaders ask you to do something, hey, guys, we're going to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to watch Health. I want to watch Home Alone. And if we're not going to watch Home Alone, guess what? I'm not coming. No one said that. But one day when this place starts packing out, I bet you someone's going to say that. Mark my words, Tito. We're going to have to hold them down. Amen. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. You got to get stronger, though, bud, all right? You got to get stronger, get more muscles. I'm just kidding. Jeremiah's like, oh, my gosh, don't talk about me now. No, okay. Okay, we're moving on. That was awkward. How about your devotionals? See, this is something where no one has to come into your life and say, hey, do this. I mean, you have leaders that would get into your life, know the nitty-gritty, and say, hey, how is this going? But that's something that's on you. Do you love God? Yeah, go after him. Pursue him. The Bible says if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. You know what that means? That if you pray and you get in your word and you see God, he's going after you. There's no one of these things like, man, I'm going to shout louder. He can't hear me. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. That's the old King James Version. I memorized it growing up, all these different things. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Are you drawing near? And all the free time that you have, draw near to God. And what you want to develop there is intimacy. See, people of intimacy, you don't have to tell them, hey, you know what? That's too much love. Okay, you're loving God too much. You never have that problem with someone who's intimate. <laughs> when I have a wife, hallelujah, I'm going to be as intimate as intimate can be. You're going to look up the word intimate, that's going to be me. I didn't mean to rhyme. But it just happened, you know. You look at it. Look at the married couples right now. It's like, hey, you know what? Ricky, you need to be more intimate with your wife, all right? You're not intimate enough. Dude, I had a baby. That's not enough. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Someone who's madly in love with someone. You don't have to tell them, like, hey, you're not loving them as much. How's that going for you? No one's telling you to, hey. Get crazy for God in your own time. Go after God. Love him. Pray. Seek his face. Get into his word. Does it, does it excite you getting into the word of God? You know, I'll be honest. You know, there was a point in time where it didn't excite me. I would just open the word and just fulfill religious duty. And I realized, man, my heart was so off. Like, God, you don't want God, I'm not doing you a favor by reading the word. God, I'm drawing close to you because I get to know who you are. God, I'm messed up. God, I'm broken. 
I get into the word because I get to know you, and then my heart begins to change. And then I give them it. Like, God, this is your heart. Forgive me for making this a religious duty. I want to fall in love with you. Come on, do you take the Bible just to put some good quotes on Facebook? Hello, somebody. Y'all be having some good quotes, too. I'll be reading. I'll be like, like. But I'm like, man, come on now. Live that out. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah if you're awake today. Come on. What is true freedom? We'll keep on reading in Romans 6. And I'm reading from the message version. It says this. So, since we're out from the old tyranny, does that mean we can live in the old way we want? And Paul begins to use this kind of like way of talking where he starts asking rhetorical questions so that the people he's writing to would probably have this question. He knows because he's their pastor and he's saying, listen, they're probably going to ask this question. It's like me knowing like, man, I'm going to tell Tito to do something. He's going to ask this question because I just know him. And Paul, like a good pastor, he knows his people. And so he's writing in that format so that everybody can understand what he means. And he asks this question, so... Since we're out from the old tyranny, since we're no longer living in sin, does that mean we can live in the old way, in the old way we want? Since we're free in freedom of God, can we do anything that comes in mind? We're free. Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. How about that? Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. Whoa. Isn't that, isn't that true? You know what sin does in your life? And everybody has temptation. And don't think that you're sitting in here that I have no temptations in my life. Pastor Adam, see that, that scripture right there? Temptation, that's not for me. I say you need to repent. You'd be the first one up here on your knees. Because temptation comes to everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. Behind a pulpit, if you're an apostle, no matter who you are. Sin is knocking at your door. It desires to have you. Temptation comes to everyone. doesn't matter even if you're sheriff here in this place. Sometimes I think to myself, man, Lawrence, he's been in church his entire life. It's kind of, kind of story like me. Like, man, I wonder if that boy ever sins. Like, that boy must be an angel sent from heaven just to play drums for us. Hallelujah. I don't really think that, but I think to myself, like, man, Lawrence needs the Lord too. You need to get right too. Hallelujah. I love you. Amen. Amen. Let's keep on reading. Offer yourselves to sins, for instance, and it's your last free act. But offer yourselves to the ways of God, and the freedom never quits. Hallelujah. All your lives you've let sin. I'm reading this a little weird. All your lives you let sin tell you what you do, or what to do, rather. But thank God you've started listening to a new master, one whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. You can readily recall, can't you, how at one time, the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, come on somebody, not caring about God, well, the worse your life became and the less, the, became, oh man, I need to go back to school. The worse your life became and the less freedom you had. And how much different is it now that you live in God's freedom, your lives healed and expansive in holiness? As long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? Come on. What did you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of now. 
Where did it get you? A dead end. Isn't that true? That when you follow the way of sin, it gets you nowhere. I like this saying, sin will always disappoint you. It feels good for a moment. It brings satisfaction in a moment, but it would always disappoint you. You can get that tatted on you. Sin will always disappoint me. You choose to sin. You choose to suffer. Let's all say that in the count of three. One, two, three. You choose to sin. You choose to suffer. Remember that. Next time when temptation comes your way, I don't want to suffer for this. I'm choosing God. Verses 22 and 23 in closing. But now that you found, you don't have to listen to sin to tell you what to But now that you've been found, you don't have to listen to sin to tell you what to do and have discovered the light of listening to God telling you what a surprise. A whole, healed, put-together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Work hard for your sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus our Master. In closing... I want to share some things, and then we're going to have a time of prayer. Because I'm not your Savior. I need a Savior. I'm Pastor Joe, Ricky-ish, the elders, the leaders, everyone in this room needs a Savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he came and he saved you to live a life of righteousness, not of good works of yourself. Because the Bible says all your good works are like filthy rags. But the righteousness that comes through Jesus. In closing, would you stand to your feet for me, please? See, this righteousness, where do you start? I'm going to tell you something. You're going to do as you believe. We're going to leave this place. And you heard this message. And you're going to go back home. And maybe you're dealing with some temptations. Maybe some struggles. Maybe some things that, man, you know what? No one knows about. Or maybe you're talking to somebody on the low. Hello, somebody. And maybe there's things that you're hiding. And it's not producing the righteousness of God. Your life, the way you think. Sometimes you don't let nobody in because you're just afraid and ashamed of it. Like, man, I'm so depressed every single time. I don't want to let nobody know that because I want them to think that, hey, I got Jesus. Why fake the funk if you can have the real thing? See, Jesus, when he comes into your life, he brings power. And it wasn't so you can get more muscles. Sorry, buddy, I knew you were like wanting that. Like, darn it. (laughs) He walks out, all right, guys, see you later. No more muscles. No, no. Jesus comes into your life so that the power of sin can be broken off. And not some more like I'm on the defense now. I'm just waiting for sin to come. And Jesus, and it leaves so that you can live your life in authority and going out and doing some things. Hello, somebody. So that the righteousness of God will be with you where you go. I'm telling you. I'm looking, I'm seeking, I'm praying that God send a passion, send a generation that are people on fire for you. That no matter what happens in their life, God, they're going after you. Seeking your face. Come on, somebody. Tyler, I want you to be so filled with righteousness that people start coming into your class. And, hey, man, i got to tell you my problems. Can you pray for me? Get so filled in love of righteousness. Go after God that people start coming up after you, man. How old are you again? 11 years old. Filling stadiums. Man, you're filling your entire lunchroom. People are getting their life right. People are getting ill. How are you doing it? God. 
you're crazy for God. Don't let no one, don't let no one tell you you can't do that. In closing, let's close our eyes and let's pray. Righteousness comes from belief in God. And God, we put our trust and our hope in you right now. And God, even in our shortcomings, you are faithful. God, even when righteousness is not evident in our life, God, we know that it's not your end. It's never your end. Your word's not broken. You're not asleep. You're in heaven. You never sleep. You see us. And even at this moment, God, and when we talk about righteousness, God, there are some things in our lives that sometimes, God, we don't even like to talk about ourselves. So right now, God, we come before you. And we ask, God, that you open up our hearts and you put your finger on those things, God, that we sometimes don't even want to admit ourselves. Come on, if you can just get some music in the background right now. Guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to leave this time open for prayer. Amen. I'm going to have Christina, Cynthia, come on up here again. And what we want to do is we want to pray for you. That the righteousness of God...
of the words that they might have done, God, but because of what you did on the cross, because of your work on the cross, God, we can leave, and we can lead righteous lives in Jesus' name. It's never been about us, God. God, I pray that as this week goes on, God, use us to demonstrate the life that's been changed by Jesus. Come on, if you want God to use you this week, to demonstrate the life in your words and your action, not just saying it and praying it, but God actually sending you out. Come on, would you just lift your hands in this place and in closing. God, we're asking that you send us out. We know that there's a power that comes when Jesus fills our life. And we know that power is not just a defensive to live free from sin, but we know it's to go forth and to conquer some things. God, to go forth to bear witness to your son that if you did it in us, you can do it for others. God, we pray for family and friends, God. God, we pray for this youth to go forth. God, we pray for your boldness to bear fruit. God, we pray for your power of the Holy Spirit and your works to come in Jesus' name. We bless you. We love you, God. God, we say that this week you move. God, use us. Move. We want you to do it, God. Send us into somebody's life, God. Send us into somebody's life this week, God. Let us bear a witness. Let us bear a testimony for what you're doing in our lives. To you be the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's good. He's good. Amen. If you could just lower that down, we're about to get some party music on and fellowship and love on each other. Amen. Yes, yes, we're gonna do that just right now. This is this is one second, one second. You can do me a favor, turn on the lights. It's 
right with me is Jesus. Come on, somebody. Everything's wrong with me. Well, what's right with me? Jesus. Disclaimer, you may feel that. You'll go back home and then the joy may just <sighs> go clean your room. <laughs> I don't feel Jesus anymore. Guess what? You feel Jesus by living righteous and hey, I'm going to be obedient. Hey, when you